0: Welcome to the Ferris Love Podcast, where we share spiritual and practical ideas for how to live family life with a beautiful, self-sacrificing love. Today, we are excited to have Regina Boyd join us again on the podcast. Regina is a licensed mental health counselor and marriage and family therapist. She has presented for numerous organizations about mental health and Catholicism and how the two correspond. Today, Regina is sharing how to grow an emotional intimacy and how to fight against loneliness. Regina, thank you for joining us again on the Ferris Love podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. So um, we had you on the season. uh, We had you on last season and um, you share with us a little bit about what you do. Could you share with us how you came to become a marriage uh, and family therapist as well as a mental health counselor?
1: Yeah, um, I would say there were little seeds that the Lord planted throughout my life without me really realizing it or being conscious of it. Um, I was kind of learned through other people that I was a good listener without really trying. So I have memories of being at recess and people sharing with me about their parents divorce or some and I'm just sitting there playing and not really expecting to have a serious conversation. <laughs> um so I I sort of learned over time I'm the person on the airplane that people have deep conversations with again, you know. So I sort of learned that there was something that people just felt comfortable with opening up. And then I became really interested in psychology. I wanted to learn about why do people do what they do? How does the brain work? All of those types of things. So by the time I was... Going to college, I kind of really desired to work with people and work in the field of psychology. Um, And I just knew that I wanted to journey alongside people in such that special way. Um, So when I looked into graduate schools, I knew that that was the route that I wanted to go. So it's a long academic journey of, you know, graduate schools, internship, postgraduate hours, licensure exams, all that stuff. But in a nutshell, that's a little bit of of how it all came to be.
0: (laughs) That's great. Yes, and much needed. We need, you know, good marriage therapists and and licensed mental health counselors. As we get into the topic about loneliness and emotional intimacy, in what ways have you seen kind of loneliness becoming a more pressing issue today?
1: Yeah, I think um, what's really interesting is, as I think it's kind of weird in this post-pandemic world begin with but as we sort of advance technologically speaking i think our schedules have become so much more busy and full and i think that's a really easy way to exacerbate that sense of loneliness just living at this rapid pace Mm -hmm. means there's less opportunities to slow down and connect with the people who are important to you Mm -hmm. and then on top of that i think younger people are spending more time online, which is, again, not bad in and of itself, but I think there becomes, can become a problem when we're spending that time at the expense of spending time in relationship, developing some of those in-person experiences. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where it becomes more pressing because we have a younger generation coming up where they're sort of substituting certain behaviors, but then also everyone is just living at this breakneck speed, which makes it really hard to slow down.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. And have you seen a progression of like a rapid progression? Is it kind of just a gradual progression of loneliness or was it, do you think COVID really emphasized it? Would you, can you compare the two like before and after
1: yeah, I think young people have been reporting in higher levels of loneliness for a long time, but even before COVID. Mm-hmm. And I just think, again, with social media and whatnot, mm-hmm. it's um, easier for that to happen. Mm-hmm. But I do think after the pandemic, it exacerbated a lot in a lot of ways because of um us being uh, quarantined and whatnot and trying to keep our distances. So it's taking, taking some time to relearn how to re-engage with everyone.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: there's been this chronic period of loneliness, if you really think about it. I mean, for two years in many places in this country, people have been locked down for quite a long time. And then it takes time to really re learn society, learn how to interact with people again. And so that chronic sense of loneliness and isolation can really take its toll health-wise, mental health-wise, can bring a lot of risks to us socially, emotionally. Um, So, yeah, I think it's a combination.
0: Okay. And when you're thinking of loneliness, like, how does that manifest within like a marriage, because you would think, oh, you're with your person for the rest of your life. Like, there's no way to be lonely. Like, how does that, how does that look within marriages? Like, can, you know, married people become lonely? And what does that mean?
1: absolutely i think i think we know this intuitively but we don't take time to actually consider and give it some thought but Mm -hmm. you can be in a room full of people and feel lonely a house full of people and feel lonely and it's all about that sense of isolation so even when you're together with your spouse you can feel disconnected from them separated from them in some way emotionally mentally misunderstood Mm -hmm. Um, so just because you're in the presence of another person or because you're in a relationship doesn't mean that that automatically cures all your loneliness. We got to talk about the quality of the relationship. What are those interactions like for you? Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of ways in marriage that it can show up, especially is when there's a lack of assurance about how to communicate, how to talk. Maybe when you try to convey a message, it doesn't really work out the way you hoped. It doesn't get received in the way you hope. Mm -hmm. Um, Anger outbursts can be a sign of loneliness, irritability, frustration. Um, I think if it gets chronic, if it becomes a long-term issue, we can even have no emotion at all. People are just sort of living in existence together, but they're not really connected. So there's no, they've Mm -hmm. sort of given up in a sense of trying to communicate and connect Mm -hmm. and then in extreme situations right if we're really feeling lonely we might seek attention elsewhere and that can be anyone other friends other family members online relationships or even an extramarital type affair type of situation
0: And you had mentioned the idea of a lack of communication or you know, just there are roots to loneliness. How would you go about like define like as a couple or, or or even as an individual? How would you go about defining, okay, this is where the loneliness begins or that that root of feeling those emotions? I think
1: it's tricky. Loneliness is a basic human need. So I put it on the same level as food, shelter, clothing, you know, the air we breathe and healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. We are designed to be in community with other people. We believe in a God who is Trinity, who exists in a relationship. And so when we are doing that well, we are more emulating God well as well. We're more in his image and likeness. Mm -hmm. And so we have that, we're created for that. We have that innate need. And there's lots of touch points throughout our life that can illustrate ways where something is off. So any significant life event, like Mm -hmm. um, a big move, a job change or job loss, loss of a loved one, an end of a relationship, maybe a friend breakup, something like that, Mm -hmm. um, becoming a parent, all of these things can be touch points where somebody feels a sense of loneliness because maybe i'm in a new city and i don't know anyone or i'm in the trenches of being a new parent and i have no idea what i'm doing and i'm overwhelmed and there's lots of moments where we can feel isolated and that threatens that basic human need that we have for survival Mm -hmm. and creates that sense of So it's there's it's tapping into it's kind of like the alarm bells go off like you need attention here. (laughs) Otherwise Mm being something's off. And we need just like your stomach tells you when you're hungry, you know, something's off here connection wise that we need to pay attention to.
0: Wow, yeah. And that's powerful to put it on the same level as your basic needs. Like, I mean, you think, I think when people, like you said, we get so busy with our schedules and we're packing it in and we don't really take time to pause. And in that time of packing it in, you know, you might be not really paying attention to the relationships. And so then that, yeah, like you said, and um, it's, it's interesting that you would think because you're busy and you're probably interacting with a lot of people that, those, those needs are met, but it's maybe not so much, you know, meeting those needs because it's not really focused or intentional. And when, when you talk about when we have this idea of emotional intimacy, can you just explain what that, what that is and what that looks like in a marriage or in family life?
1: Yeah. You know, a lot of people talk about intimacy and the first thing they think of is a sexual relationship. Mm -hmm. And for me, I feel like even when we're talking about a sexual relationship it's so much more broader than that mm-hmm. and it really is that foundation of your emotional connection your friendship how loved and supported do you feel by from the other person mm-hmm. and intimacy is all about letting the other person see you as you truly are it requires Vulnerability, trust, honesty, honesty—the ability to journey alongside someone in a way that fortifies and strengthens the bond between you. So it's a true sense of trust and safety. And it, you know, it doesn't mean only negative that we're only sharing deep, dark secrets. It can be positive things as well. Just letting people journey alongside you um, is huge, and I think happens a lot in the context of marriage and family life. I mean. Um, we let our guards down at home. And so our family sees us kind of in our, in our best and at our worst. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's, but it's also a matter of, you know, even in my marriage, how much am I willing to allow that other person to see into my heart and really see what's, what's happening for me internally. Mm
0: -hmm. And how would you kind of go about beginning to establish that? that emotional intimacy, because I think it it can be hard for some people to do, especially when it requires a lot of vulnerability. And if you're not accustomed to that, you know, and, or thinking of it in that way, like how would you go about beginning, even if you've been married for a while, or, you know, how would you go, how would you start that process of really that, that vulnerability?
1: There's three things you want to look at um the sense of emotional safety between you how much do i trust that um when i share something it's going to be received well it's not going to be ridiculed or rejected in some way so is it even safe for me to share or open up in that relationship so safety is one and trust is another one so how much in the relationship are we cherishing one another or how much are you showing that you're somebody who can be counted on mm-hmm. That you're committed, you know, you're all in to this relationship. I think that's an incredible pillar to have because trust adds to that sense of safety. Right. Mm-hmm. And then vulnerability. There's going to be moments where we have to risk opening up and it's kind of a catch 22 because if you don't risk, you never get that reward of having that deeper connection. Mm-hmm. Um, But if you do, you risk being hurt as well, which we all know that somebody could not receive it well. Mm -hmm. But I think that's how when you think about your closest friendships, your marriage, your closest relationships, Mm -hmm. you feel closest to those people because you've each taken moments to be vulnerable and share a little bit more than what you would with people who you feel less close to. Mm -hmm. So I think those are really foundational to a strong sense of emotional intimacy, safety, Mm -hmm. trust, and vulnerability. Mm
0: -hmm. That's great. And then do you notice that, let's say with the people that you you know speak to and help, and do you notice that emotional intimacy changing throughout the different stages of marriage? Because marriage, I mean, you go through, you have the newlywed stage, you have the honeymoon phase, and then you get into the real nitty gritty of it. And I mean, even with my parents, I'm seeing they're empty nesters now and they're living their marriage vocation. Differently than when they had all their children. So, how does that look as as you grow with your partners? You go with your spouse. Like, how does that look? Does it change? You know, does the, the the expectations change? Absolutely. I mean, life
1: gets busier. You get more responsibilities over time. You know, as your family grows, if you're blessed with children, so it can be challenging to maintain that connection over the years. I've met many couples who, you know, have been married 20, 25 years, they sort of look up and the children have left the home and they realize, wow, we... We have nothing in common. What what happened? We were just so busy taking care of these kids and providing for their needs, but we forgot to connect. We forgot to maintain our emotional intimacy and our relationship. So they realize there's nothing holding them together. Um, so I think it's really important throughout all of those stages to make sure that you're tuning in and making time for each other. It's kind of, it's hard because it, it's going to look different at every stage of marriage and every stage stage of your relationship. It doesn't mean you are going out, you know, every night of the week to the fanciest restaurant in town. It doesn't mean you're booking a vacation together every month, just the two of you. Um, It could be something as simple as sitting on the couch. I, I know some people who make a cocktail every night and that's their time. They sit on the couch and after the kids go to bed, or I know other couples who just, even if the kids are still awake, when mom and dad are on the couch the kids know don't talk to us right now for the next 30 minutes or so right it's it's couch mom and dad's couch time yeah <laughs> and so there's lots of ways where you can have that connection even without doing big ornate things just having an intentional conversation while you're cleaning the dishes together or something you know um i think there's lots of ways to talk and engage
0: mm-hmm. do you have any like number one or number two, recommended like activities or habits to encourage that emotional intimacy daily? I would think
1: about what are the, what are the easy things you're already doing that you can capitalize off of? So um, for example, if you're kind of in the same vicinity again with cleaning dishes, let's, let's make that a more intentional moment. Or if we kind of know that after kids go to bed is the most ideal time, let's, spend the first 20 minutes after kids are in bed having an intentional conversation. You know, we don't have to spend the next three to four hours before we go to bed being all intense, but, you know, just a quick little check-in is good, and then you can go about whatever you guys want to do that evening. Um, But I think paying attention to what are those opportunities that are already there so we don't have to put a big effort into
0: it, I think is really huge. Mm -hmm. That's great. And that's taking, yeah, taking advantage of the time that you have together. It's I think we forget that too. And when we're so busy and stuff. And then you just, yeah, you there are moments where if you just sit and think for a second, like, oh yeah, actually we do have that time in the morning to do that. Or um that's really power, it's really powerful and helpful. So you had mentioned earlier about, you know, we talked about the increase of technology. And how would you recommend parents go about, you know, developing that? Uh, emotional intimacy with their own children and in this increased technological age and and just fostering that relationship with their children and to help them you know feel that relationship and feel that love
1: this is a tough one because I'll, I'll say it's a few things one are you as a parent willing to sort of let go of your technology as well Because sometimes I think parents, right, want to monitor and limit their child's technology use. Meanwhile, they're still on their phones or their computers. And um, so if you're going to have that expectation, are you willing to do that as well? I know some families who have like a no media day in their house, Mm -hmm. maybe like a Sunday or a Saturday, Mm -hmm. right? So if it's not homework related, nobody's on video games, TV, phone, nothing Mm -hmm. just to sort of force everybody, even if it's four hours, right? Mm To engage with each other and do something different, um, or if not, you know you can join them in whatever that activity is. Play that game with them. Let them make fun of you for not knowing how to play the game right, <laughs> um, or them get impatient with you for <laughs> ruining their game. You um, asking them questions, uh, but I think. Don't be discouraged because kids complain a lot, and it's really stressful mm-hmm. um, on parents. But stick stick with it. You you know what's best for your family and your kids. And again, it's not going to be perfect every day or every week. But you mm-hmm. know, if once a quarter you guys get out and have a family day, or once every six months and do something a little different, those are going to be beautiful opportunities for memories and things that you can talk about for years.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, those. I I mean even with my own childhood growing up and having just those one-off time, like going to the Home Depot store with my dad. That was, it's, it was a simple memory that we just took a break from the house. You go fix something. And I go, and it was, you know, it's a lot of fun to, to have those moments with your parents, but here's a question of, you know, ideally as a parent, you know, like if you're what your child's needs are, but how, let's say, uh, your child is experiencing loneliness and either they've told you or they haven't how, as a parent, can you help them address the loneliness? And and what would be some recommendations on how to help your child through that loneliness?
1: Yeah, certainly if they're willing to open up to you, being a listening ear is a, is a beautiful thing. Um, and giving all the love, loving on them at home so that they have the strength to go out, you know, whether it's to school or whatever the situation is. But then additionally, you know, how how can we try to help find them at least one positive connection, one relationship? It can be through an extracurricular activity. It can be through some community resource. I know there's lots of groups on Facebook, you know, where moms of Orlando or moms of Miami or something where people can connect and say, hey, I have a child this age. Would anyone want to meet up? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think there's, lots of opportunities where if we, if we kind of put in the effort and try, there can be a chance for, for at least one positive connection, I think can really make a huge difference as far as how lonely your child might be feeling.
0: And do you have any like final tips about how to encourage that emotional intimacy amongst uh, couple's and and amongst your children if yeah i think the biggest
1: takeaway is be intentional right if you don't work at it you will lose it mm-hmm. and so making a plan a lot of people um, especially in marriage a lot of people have this misconception that if something's not spontaneous it's not as authentic or real or genuine and i'm not of that camp. I mm-hmm. think it's really important to plan and schedule things because um then it's that that conveys intentionality, right? We know we're busy, but if I know every Thursday night is our date night and that's always on my calendar and it's non-negotiable no matter who comes to town or what happens mm-hmm. I know I have something to look forward to with my spouse every Thursday night. And this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. This is maybe we talk about a certain topic each time, whatever it is, right. That's going to really fortify you. So being intentional is huge. And then I would say asking open-ended questions. You can do that with your kids. You can do that with your spouse, but the yes, no questions are a lot harder to get the conversation going. And so, you know, um, what did that mean for you when your parents were here and they were playing with our kids? Like, what did that mean for you to see them having those interactions together? Or mm-hmm. what was it like for you growing up and in, in your family home? Like, and thinking about being a parent now mm-hmm. and your parents when they were in our position, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of asking these questions that really help you learn more about the other person in a new way. Mm-hmm.
0: That's beautiful. So you wrote the book about fighting against loneliness. Do you want to describe a little bit about that and share with us and then how our audience can find you as well online? Yes. The book is called
1: Leaving Loneliness Behind, and it is with Ave Maria Press. In the book, we talk about five keys to enhance your connection with others and with God. So we talk about authentic connection, vulnerability, communicating through conflict, healing after a betrayal, and self-gift. Those are the five keys. And we talk about all of some of the things that I touched on today are in the book, like those open-ended questions, how to enhance that in your relationship. We talk about intentionality and there's a lot of practical elements. There's a workbook that goes with it as well so that you can journal and come up with your own life examples of how to implement this in a day-to-day. There's also a video series that goes with it. So there's a QR code in the back of the book that you can scan and watch the videos if you wanted to do a small group study. But there's a lot of clinical examples of people that I've worked with in there. There's some of my own personal stories that I share in the book um and then lots of scripture reflections and and things woven in as well so i think if you're wanting if there's a relationship that you want to spend a little more attention on give it a little tlc i think this book can be a great opportunity for for any relationship a friendship a family member a spouse um anything
0: right Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise. And you have your website. Can you tell us what your website is?
1: Yes, uh, my website is reginaboyd.com. And I am on Instagram at Boyd Counseling Services, and on Facebook at Regina Boyd LMHC. And uh, the book you can find on Amazon or Ave Maria Press.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today, Regina. And we'll add all of that to the show notes. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ferris Love Podcast. In 2024, we want to reach as many people as possible. You can help by sharing this episode with a friend, subscribing to the podcast, or leaving a review. To learn more, visit us at ferrisloveshrine.org.